Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's just look at a couple of verses there again. Uh, from verse 11, 1 Corinthians 5, 11, which reads, But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one, know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. And we're going to start a new Sunday evening series called Sins That Get You Kicked Out of Church. Sins That Get You Kicked Out of Church. Um, because this can be a confusing topic for some, can't it? It can be a confusing topic. Our sin today is going to be fornication. So the title is going to be Sins That Get You Kicked Out of the Church, Fornication. But it's an important topic, isn't it? Because getting kicked out of church is a big deal. Okay, it's not just, ah, oh, well, I got kind of asked to leave, I'll come back next week, you know, I said sorry in between. That's not how it works. Yeah, getting kicked out of church is a massive deal. I mean, that's, that is absolutely shameful, isn't it? To get removed from a church, from, from God's house, to be told you are not welcome because God has said you're not welcome if you're on this list and obviously the other sins that we're going to look at again. That is a massive deal. That's something that, that everyone here should be trying to avoid at all costs. And there should be no reason why that should happen, okay? Because uh, the, the fact that you're here in the first place, uh, it, you know, we should go with the assumption there, and obviously it's not always the case, is that one, you're saved, and two, you love the Lord, yeah? And you want to serve the Lord, which is why you're in a biblical church, and you're not down the fun centre, and you're not, you know, at, at the Pentecostal party house, or you're not, at, you know, whatever other kind of weak sorry excuse for a church you're at a church of god where the word of god's being preached where we 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 here because we preach the word of god because we believe the word of god that means that we preach and believe in in church discipline as well because you you've got two extremes amongst what claim to be churches You've got the all are welcome, the doors are open to everywhere type place, okay? You've seen these sorts of places, it's like the doors should be open to everyone type, you know, they just come out with these sort of non-biblical phrases like this is their mantra. You know, we would never stop anyone coming to the throne of Christ or something like this, you know. And, and, and they would literally roll out the red carpet for the most brazen, flaming, sodomite, perverts, weirdos, people staggering in, high on drugs, drunk as you like, come on in, come on in, we wouldn't turn anyone away, which is the easy option, isn't it? It's just the easy answer, just let them in, and then we don't have to deal with any sort of trying to split heads. I mean, God forbid they'd actually look in the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about it. No, we'll just put it in our own kind of, you know, our own mind, we'll decide why someone should or shouldn't be able to come into church, and for them, everyone should be able to come into church. Bizarre. And then you've got the, you've got the opposite, you got the make it up as you go along type, which is basically if you don't agree with every single doctrine we preach, you're not welcome at our church. And, and some of these churches will go as far as if you listen to a pastor they don't like, usually because of envy, you're not welcome at our church. And we'll go as far as kicking you out of the church for listening to a pastor online who doesn't preach any damnable heresy. For, and look, even if it's someone that does, I mean, I, you know, just because you've listened to someone, I mean, that is ridiculous, isn't it? But there are churches in this country that seem to be right on the gospel that, that hold that stance. And, and they will go along the lines of, well, you don't believe that the Jews are God's chosen people, that. And then they try and like make out like this some sort of damnable heresy or something else. Again, ridiculous. And obviously they can't support it from the Bible. So they just have to take these extra biblical lines with it where people aren't welcome. So that's kind of the opposite 
line where, but both of those are unbiblical, aren't they? Both of those are unbiblical stance because the Bible's pretty clear about who we should and shouldn't allow into our church and who should be kicked out even if they're in our church. And that's what our church is, a church which our final authority is the Bible. Yeah, and, and if I was saying to, we had a guy that visited earlier, visit is a you know, kind of loose, loose term for it, and I was just saying that ultimately, you know, your, your final authority has to be the Bible, doesn't it? Because without that, what would we be doing? Just making it up as we go along, well, we'll take a bit of that, I don't know, that sounds about, about right, and, and you just end up in an absolute mess, wouldn't you? But our final authority is the Bible, and of course the Bible does teach church discipline, doesn't it? Yeah, the Bible, we've just read a chapter here, which is clearly talking about church discipline, kicking people out of church. Now, the things on this list in 1 Corinthians 5 aren't the only things that get you kicked out, but it contains the longest list of things that get you kicked out, so I think it's a nice place to start. We're going to start on this list here, and tonight we're going to look at the first on this list, like I said, fornication. So, the title is Sins That Get You Kicked Out of the Church, Fornication. And we're going to pray before we continue. So, Father, I, I thank you for, um, for you know, what the, the clear principles, the clear teachings you give us in the Bible. Uh, and church discipline being a pretty clear one here that, that we can just go to the word of God and just, just you know, follow what you tell us to do here. Um, it's not something we have to try and interpret into our own words like many sadly try to do. No, the Bible's clear what, what gets someone kicked out of church. Um, please, please help us to have attentive ears here. Ultimately, so we don't we don't one end up on this list and two we don't end up encouraging aiding and abetting people that are on this list and we just do the right thing in these circumstances so um lord, lord i pray that you just help help everyone to listen loud and clear and for me to just preach um clearly and boldly and accurately and in jesus name we pray all of this amen okay so what is fornication what is fornication well fornication is a physical relationship between a man and woman when unmarried okay it's a physical relationship between a man and woman when unmarried now turn to matthew chapter 19 because some people have real trouble with this okay some people seem to have have a bit of difficulty understanding this they want to call adultery fornication to open up divorce justification, basically. And there are false Bibles that do this as well, but if they can call fornication adultery, then you can basically just excuse any form of divorce and everything else. But, uh, of course, we have to let the Bible interpret itself. And it's one of those things where, you know, of course, the Bible says, study to show thyself approve a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly divine the word of truth. And, and it doesn't take much study to understand what fornication is. And we're just going to do that little bit of study because, well, I have actually had I've had comments on our channel about this before so let's just clear this up in case anyone's in any doubt and so you're able to answer people as well who try and try and argue about this point so Jesus said in Matthew um, 5:28. well you'll turn to Matthew 19 but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart now this is what they like to use to justify then divorce if they can make fornication be basically adultery then suddenly you can just go well they looked at someone they they I, I thought they looked on them lustfully so that's justification for divorce but in scripture we see the words fornication and adultery used separately okay that's clear in scripture multiple places uh, you turn to Matthew 19 look at verse 1 where we see this happen where, where Matthew 9 1 it says and it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan and great multitudes followed him and he healed them there 
the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Now, putting away is divorcing. In Matthew 5.32, uh, Jesus said, and you don't have to turn there, but I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. So it's clearly used interchangeably there. Putting away is divorcing. So, so they, are, they are the same thing. The Pharisees here in Matthew 19 are saying, is it okay to divorce for any reason? Okay, that's their question. Is it all right just to get divorced? And he answered and said unto them, have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So Jesus is saying that marriage is God joining a man and woman together. Don't go against God, basically, okay? They say unto him, why did Moses send command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. So Moses allowed them to divorce because of how hard-hearted they, they, they are, but it wasn't for any cause, okay? It wasn't just, well, okay, so Moses said it's fine to divorce. No, no, he said, because of the hardness of your heart suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, and this was the cause, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. So notice how there's a difference here between the fornication and adultery, right? Okay, pretty clear as day. Except it be for fornication, committeth adultery. Okay, so there's a difference there and we're going to go back to where Moses gave them this divorce option the clear pace is Deuteronomy chapter 24 so if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 24 we can then see what this was for we can see what this fornication is because Moses wasn't just making it up as he went along okay it wasn't that Moses just oh well I'll fancy putting it in for this or for that no Moses was relaying the words of God here Moses suffered them but it was God that suffered them that um, and Deuteronomy 24 and verse 1 says this when a man hath taken a wife and married her and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he hath found some uncleanness in her then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. Now, he's found some uncleanness. Basically, she's not a virgin, okay? He's under the impression she's a virgin. She's not a virgin. She's guilty of fornication before marrying. Now, I know in our day and age, you're looking at this, you know, thinking, wow, I mean, to even find someone that was was probably a miracle in itself, wasn't it? Probably more so than, than Moses part of the Red Sea. Well, let's hope not amongst the children in this church as they grow up. But look, here, basically, he's found some uncleanness in her. It's a fornication that it seems that he was probably unaware of. So he believes he's marrying a virgin. He finds out that he's not. So he is allowed at that point to divorce her. Okay. Now, that was the only grounds for divorce, right? And in fact, you don't have to turn up in Deuteronomy 22. If she denied this and it was found to be true, if she denied that fact that this guy had found it, she would have been stoned to death. Okay, stoned to death for basically lying, pretending she was a virgin, then denying it when he's found out, 
Okay, so this is the option is that if he can't deal with it and he's bitter about it, okay, you could say understandably, but ultimately God's saying because of the hardness of your hearts. Maybe in an ideal world, he would have said, look, I still love this woman. I still want to do the right thing. We've got married. We've done it in front of God. But he's given this as kind of the one way out, right? Okay. Okay, so it's a big deal though, right? Okay, it's a big deal. Fornication is a big deal. Like I said, in, in Deuteronomy 22, she would have been stoned to death if she had lied about it as well. And just because our world wants to degrade it to normal behaviour, okay, it doesn't mean it is, is it? Fornication isn't okay. It's not normal behaviour in God's eyes, okay? Our wicked world might act like it is, but it's not, okay? It's wicked. Okay, so turn over to 1 Corinthians 7, because I just want to show you a couple of other verses. Because you might say, well, what about those that commit physical adultery then? Is that okay? Is that okay? No, they should be stoned to death. Okay? In an ideal world, they would be stoned to death. <gasps> what sort of extremism is this? No, that's what the Bible says. That's what God's law would be. And that's what God's law is going to be, by the way, coming soon in the millennial reign of Christ. So if you're sitting there going, well, I just sit here. What, you know, you get these people who go, what, Sodomites should be stoned to death? Are you saying that adulterers should? Yes. Yes, they should. Yes, they should. And I'll tell you what, they wouldn't be committing adultery if they knew that the, that the chance are they're going to get stoned to death for it. It's wicked. It ruins lives. It wrecks families. It wrecks homes. It wrecks lives. It's wicked. Okay? And yes, they should have been. But we don't live under that law anymore, do we? But I'll tell you what, I believe that... that where the law, where the world's governments are so far removed now, so far removed from the law of God and the vast majority, I don't know, maybe there are nations out there that maybe still have that sort of punishment, but they're probably off on many other things. I, I believe that God will judge those adulterers. And I think that it will be some severe chastisement as well. So in case anyone's thinking, well, no, you know, at least we're not under that anymore. Look, God's going to whoop you for that, okay? Might, might take a little while. He might, he might, you know, pause for a bit, but you're going to get whooped, okay? So let's not think that, oh, well, never mind now. There's no more death penalty because God's going to whoop you. But, uh, well, we're back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 now because I just want to make it clear again because people want to try and act as if it's the same thing. He said in verse 1, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. So getting married avoids fornication. See that? Yeah? That wouldn't be the case if adultery was also fornication, would it? Okay, getting married would just be something that might still result in fornication. No, getting married, he's saying here, avoids it. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Okay, so I go back to chapter 5. While I read 1 Corinthians 6, 9, which lists both fornicators and adulterers as separate types of sinner. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers. Look, they're, two, they're separate things, aren't they? Nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves in mankind. Okay, and again, you know, when you look at that verse, it's just talking about the types of people that don't, and obviously we don't want to be those types of people. Okay, but they're separate sins, fornication and adultery. Now, the problem, the problem that, that some people have then with this is that 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the fornication is, is described as being between this guy and his father's wife, basically his stepmother. 
And people then have a bit of trouble here because theoretically they're going, but shouldn't that then be adultery? But we have to compare scripture with scripture, don't we? Okay, we've just compared scripture, seeing what the cause of fornication is, see that that was clearly about fornication, see that, that they're used separately, etc. So how do we explain this? Look at verse 1. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication is, is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Now, I've sometimes thought, like others, that perhaps the father is dead, which would mean that she's free to remarry, but could still be described as his father's wife until then. Yeah, some people say that. You could see that. But, but I think that it's more likely that the fornication took place before they married. That's what I believe is probably the case here, that, that the father's married her, but the, there was fornication with what is now his father's wife. Because if you look at verse 2, it suggests that this is a past event, not, ongo not ongoing. It says in verse 10, And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. So I believe if you compare scripture with scripture and we see what fornication is, that this was probably done before they were married. They've been married. He's basically committed fornication with what is now his father's wife. Now, either way, whether it was whether the fa it's a, his late father or not, this is pretty sick, isn't it? Okay, this is pretty sick stuff, yeah? Paul's saying that even the unbelieving nations wouldn't do this. Okay, that's what he's saying. And, and do you know what this tells me when you look at this story? This tells me that even a church planted by the Apostle Paul is able to get involved in wicked things without the people being sad about it. Okay, because they're not. He's saying you've not rather mourned. I mean, they're puffed up, these people, he says as well. And if that's the case, then do we think that a church like ours, in a place where this sort of thing is named among the Gentiles, okay, would anyone be shocked if you saw this on, uh, I hope no one does watch this sort of stuff anymore, but the Jeremy Carl show or Jerry Springer, if you, if you, would you be shocked if you saw this on the front, new, front page of the Sun, because it's front page news, isn't it? But, you know, would anyone be at all shocked? No, not at all nowadays. This sort of thing is named among the Gentiles. But if that's the case, do we think that we're not going to have to deal with regular fornication in a church like ours? Of course we are. Okay, it goes on in the world. Sick things go on in the world. The, the, the bar has been lowered more and more and more and more. And that means that, yes, we are probably going to have to deal with this. And let's hope that, we don't, that we're not currently dealing with this. But it is something that we will have to deal with. So... Like I said, fornication is physical acts outside of marriage. Okay, agreed, yeah? Okay, that's pretty clear for me. Okay, how bad is fornication then? How bad is fornication? Well, look at verse 3. For I verily as absent in body but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. It's bad enough for Paul to tell them to kick the offender out so that his flesh is, 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 is basically destroyed. Okay, that's pretty bad, isn't it? He's saying kick him out so his flesh is destroyed. That's him just getting, just basically having some horrendous chastisement outside of the protection, outside of the confines, outside of being in the church, outside of that affecting the church. Verse 13 says, But them that are without God judgeth, therefore put away from among yourselves that poor person. Did it say that? Put away from among yourselves that just young fool, no, that wicked person.
person, that wicked person. That's how the Bible describes this guy, okay? That's how the Bible describes this fornicator. Now, some might say, hold on, isn't fornication just a bit of fun? Two consenting adults, isn't it? Yeah, just two consenting adults. What's wrong with that? Well, it's wicked and it destroys lives, okay? Fornication destroys lives. I don't care what, look, look, if you look at this world, look at the state of this nation, look at the state of our society, can anyone really gauge their moral compass by what is okay in, in the streets around us, in the towns around us, on the wicked TV around us as well, which by the way has been promoting this for years, for decades. Decades and decades, this filth has been getting promoted where now men and women of God think that it's not a big deal. It's a big deal. Because the word of God says it's a big deal, that should be enough, but it does destroy lives. Yeah, it destroys lives. What, what, about, what about the STDs that come from this? Just things which people can never get rid of, just disgusting diseases, which people will, ha will be afflicted with for the rest of their life because of fornication. What about, what about the unwanted pregnancies from fornication? How about having a, having a child with someone that you don't even like? that you don't even have anything in common with at all, barring there was some minor amount of sexual attraction, which meant that you ended up committing fornication with them. And now you're raising a child with someone that doesn't even want you to see that kid, or vice versa. You know, whatever it is, look, they don't even want to see that kid. Suddenly you're raising a child, it just... And think like, look, any of you parents here, think about the amount of decisions you have to make with your spouse. It's, there's a lot of decisions. You imagine making that with someone that doesn't even want to talk to you? Not even interested. Imagine having your child raised by someone that you don't even know, that you don't even like, that you're maybe even suspicious of, could be some sort of weirdo or something else, and what choice do you even have on that? Look, so much hurt and heartache comes from fornication. How about the mental effects as well? You know, there are some big mental effects of fornication. I would say, just at a guess, probably, um, I believe, maybe more so with women, Okay, and men, it's not just like, oh, well, you know, she's willing. Look, a lot of women end up with just mental scars from that sort of thing, okay? Things that they can never forget, but men too. Things, image, look, it's a spiritual thing, okay? It's a massive thing, and it's not something that just you just go into lightly. It's something that is reserved for a man and woman who are married. That's what the Word of God says. That's what the Word of God is clear about. It's wicked, okay? It's wicked. It destroys lives. It ruins people's lives. And it destroys churches as well. And it destroys children's lives. And, and look, we're gonna, I'll, I'll go on to that in a minute. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 15. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 says, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. So our church is a body of Christ. We're all fitly joined together to make up his body. Agreed? Okay, look at verse 16. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. When you come together as male and female, you become one body. Okay? When you do that as a church member, you're joining that whore or whoremonger to the body of Christ. Okay, let that sink in for a second. If you're a church member, and if you're, and by the way, if you're committing fornication, then, well, the word of God will describe you as a whore or whoremonger, for starters, which you don't want God to describe you as, but secondly, you're joining that other whore or whoremonger to the body of Christ. That's wicked, isn't it? Yeah, we don't want our body of Christ joined to just lose whores and whoremongers, okay? 
Verse 17, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Okay, it's also a spiritual thing too, isn't it? Okay, don't forget that. Flee, flee fornication. That means run as far away as possible. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. When it says flee fornication, for me that says, look, if that's something that you get tempted by, flee the social media. Yeah, flee the beach if you can't deal with that sort of thing. Flee the whatever it is, just flee it. Get away from that wickedness. Get away from the nakedness. Get away from the temptation. Get away from the people that you're tempted by that you think is going to tempt you into that sin because it's a wicked sin. Okay, flee fornication. Not, well, try and avoid it if possible. Well, if the world says it, it, you know, if in a couple of thousand years' time everyone's at it, you know, just kind of do your best, guys, yeah? Do your best uh, and, and see if you're strong enough. No, flee it. Yeah, run in the other direction. Run in the other direction. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. So where you're joining your body in an unholy way, you're sinning against your body, okay, which is the temple of God. And ultimately you become one body, so you're sinning against that person as well, which then becomes your body. It's just this mixed up, just it's, it's basically a bizarre, bizarre sin in that way because you're sinning against them, they're becoming one body, you're sinning against the body of Christ. It's a wicked sin, right? That is a wicked sin. And look, you might look around the world and look around all these people at it and talking about it and acting like it goes on everywhere. And the media's been pushing that for years, isn't it? I, I remember talking about this before from a pulpit when I was young. You know, man and woman go on a date, see, and then, and then oh, don't worry, don't worry, it's a clean movie. They're just going to wake up in the morning having breakfast. Oh, well, that's all right. It didn't show anything. No, what were the connotations? What was it trying to insinuate? He was trying to insinuate that that's perfectly fine, normal, and that's the sort of thing you should be doing. But it's not. It's wicked. It's disgusting. It's, un it's unhygienic for starters anyway. I mean, what on earth? You think about it, just how foul is that? With someone that, that's not someone that you're sharing your life with as, a, as husband and wife. Anyway, says, What? Know ye not that your temple is the body of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Imagine taking some dirty skank of a woman or some pervy whoremonger of a man into the Old Testament temple like it was nothing. Can you imagine that? Come on in, you know, just some loose skank, just come on in, into, into the temple of God. You wouldn't, would you? Okay, that was a holy, sacred place. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, each and every one of you. We want to make sure we treat that with respect. Verse 20 says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So you're owned by God, yeah? The, the price was the precious blood of Jesus Christ, yeah? That was the price. When you join that body to some slapper or some scumbag out there, you're ruining God's possession, aren't you? You're defiling the temple. It's serious business, right? Okay, that is serious business. You don't want to be doing that sort of thing. Okay, that's why the Bible talks about it time and time again. It's, you'll notice it time and time again in the Bible. Turn to Numbers 25, though, where we see the results, well, along with God's judgment on fornication. Okay? Okay, we see the results of it, and then we see God's judgment as well on fornication. So... Numbers 25 from verse 1, where it reads, And Israel abode in Shittim, Numbers 25, 1, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down 
to their gods. So it starts with fornication. It quickly ends up with these men worshipping the gods of Moab. That's what they're doing here. They're, they're now it, you know, called to the sacrifices of their gods. It, it starts with fornication. We can apply this, you know, if you look at it in this way, it starts with fornication. Next thing you know, it's a TV with that person you're fornicating with. It's the bars. Well, now we're meeting in a bar. Well, you know, she or he said that I need to meet here and they want to go out first or whatever else. The, the needing to impress with the cash now. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I, maybe their head's getting turned by someone else. I need to like impress a bit more because that's what that sort of whore's interested in. Or maybe for that whore, that, that whoremonger wants to see that I'm a bit looser, that I'm a bit more into like fun and stuff and going to bars and clubs and all the rest of it. The clothing, you know, I need to impress with the sharp clothing, you know, whatever stupid out, whatever stupid brand items with massive lettering plastered across me or whatever else. I might try and look like subtle, but really I'm trying to advertise what I'm wearing. The, the worldly idols, yeah, the different worldly idols. Better start getting into those worldly idols to impress that person that you're fornicating with, yeah? See how that works, yeah? Okay, and that's what was going on here. It starts with fornication with the daughters of Moab. And next thing you know, they're, they're called unto the sacrifice of their, of their gods. And they're eating this meat sacrifice to idols. They're bowing down to their gods. And verse 3, And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Ultimately, the devil really there, okay? So they just joined themselves to the devil, to all his wicked, satanic ways and everything else. And it started with fornication. And the Lord said unto Moses, take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. God's saying, kill them all. He's saying, cut their heads off and hang them up in the sun. Yep, that's what God said. Yep, that's God. No, that's not just the Old Testament God, that's God. God who doesn't change. Yeah, God the same yesterday and today and forever. God said, hang their heads up, okay, in the sun or against the sun. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses, in sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So notice how Moses says, look, you guys, yeah, he said in verse 5, he says to the judges of Israel, slay ye every one his men that were joined unto him. He's saying, look, these fornicators, slay them. Yeah, he's saying to the people of God, he's saying, look, you, you judges, yeah, you respectable men of God, yeah, you better, you better deal with this situation, right? Slay them, okay? And that's something that, that as a church, we have, to, we have to take that responsibility among the church as well, okay? Those people have to be, they have to be kicked out of church for that if that happens at this church in the future. Okay, then look, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses. So notice it was the daughter of Moab. So now he, he's got like a Midianitish woman. Like, oh, well, that's all right, yeah? In the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So these people are crying about it, yeah? These people are getting killed. Heads are getting hung up. And this guy just strolls in. Yeah? <laughs> strolls in with his whore. I mean, you can't make it up, can you? Why is he so bold? Well, look down at... Uh, look down at uh, Verse 14, where it says, Now the name of the Israelite that was slain, even that was slain with the Midianitish woman, was Zimri, the son of Salu, a prince of a chief house among the Simeonites. Oh, no, he's, he's a big deal, this guy. Yeah, he's a big shot. So it's all right, he could just walk in. It's one rule for him and another for everyone else, right? Is that how it works with God? 
No, he's no respecter of persons, is he? And thank God that, that Fidahas here is no respecter of persons either. You've got to love Fidahas. And when Fidahas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest saw it, he rose up from among the congrega congregation and took a javelin in his hand. Going off for a bit of sports, do you think? No, see how far he could throw it? And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through. The man of Israel and the woman through her belly, so the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And now those that died in the plague were 20 and 4,000. And there's a good lesson for us there, isn't there? That, that sins which affect the church, sins which affect the people of God, we need to be standing up and dealing with them. Okay, everyone has a responsibility, like I preached recently, about this sort of thing. And we've all kind of been learning from what's gone on here over the last few weeks as well. We all have a responsibility, okay? Pick up that javelin and spear them. Okay, maybe don't do that physically, but spiritually you can do that, right? Okay, pick up that javelin, like Fina has did here. Okay, so he went after her. The plague was stayed after he did that. And when you look further in the story, God's really happy with Phinehas here, okay? Moses is happy with Phinehas here. This guy has is, is, is done what, what other people should have done. I mean, this guy, by the way, he probably walked past a lot of people with that woman, didn't he? Yeah? He then got up to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation where people are weeping. It was only then that Phinehas was like, charge and just speared him. Okay, and I think that should have been done long before. Okay, but... That's a man of God there that dealt with it. So that's what God thinks about fornication. 20 and 4,000, it said, died in that plague. And we see later in the New Testament that it was 23,000 died in a day. Okay, and maybe another thousand after that. 24,000 died because of that. So in our New Testament church, we're not going to thrust them through with the javelin. We're going to thrust them out of church. Okay, because that's what the Word of God teaches. What is fornication? It's physical relations outside of marriage. How bad is fornication? It's a wicked sin and God has even killed his people for it like we just saw here. Why is it a sin that gets you kicked out of church? Okay, so that's the question now. Why then do we, does, does it get you kicked out of church? Because there's a lot of sins, aren't there, in the Bible which God hates, right? There's a lot of sins where we see God's judgment on people which don't necessarily get you kicked out of church. Well, for starters, if we're all members of the body of Christ and you're joining us all together in this, yeah? Okay, so anyone does that, you're basically joining the whole body of Christ together into that fornication. Okay, so first off, think about that, anyone who might get tempted in the future, anyone, and I know we've got a smaller church here, so it feels a little bit more personal with everyone, but obviously anyone that watches this in the future, any of our church members who aren't here today, have a think about that, and obviously any kids here as well, I hope preaching like this will stay on your heart and you'll remember this, because believe me, as you get older, this is going to be a temptation, this is going to be put upon you from every angle, and hopefully the one angle it won't be will be the church, okay? will be our church but look at verse 6 your glorying is not good sorry back to 1st Corinthians 5 1st Corinthians 5 and verse 6 your glorying is not good know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump okay that's basically talking about a little yeast sourdough starter if you want to get you know technical here okay leavens the whole lump okay so Okay, it's bad enough for the singles, the kids in this wicked world, isn't it? Okay, it's, it's hard. Yeah, I can see that. You know, if you're, you're single, you, as you grow up into this world as well, you're going to have it everywhere. You're going to have it from every angle. You're going to have it, obviously, from the world. You're going to have it from people that claim they're Christians as well. 
okay, who are going to be pushing it, going to be promoting it, going to be encouraging it. it. It's absolutely everywhere. And you might go, well, I don't want to bother in. We don't watch the TV, yeah? We don't touch the TV. And look, I would, I would strongly advise you not to watch the TV, okay? Absolute wickedness. It's junk. And, and you might go, well, there's 1%, you know, on there that isn't so bad. Yeah, but the other 99% is, yeah? And you show me how you're going to just watch that 1% and avoid all the other wickedness, brainwash and everything else. But, but it's not just the TV, is it? It's not just... And it's worse than the insinuation. Now it's, it's just blatant fornication everywhere you look, pre-9 o'clock. I mean, can you imagine what the soap operas are like now? In fact, funnily enough, there's a van there when we were working on the, uh, on the church, and this van was, um, th this van like, had teas and coffee, so we didn't have a kettle here or anything else. So a couple of the time, a uh, couple of times, probably more than a couple, but we might go down there for a cup of tea, right, from this little van, and, and, and it was, you know, it was pretty, pretty good value. And this lady's there pumping out the tune, sadly, so you're kind of like, oh, here we go. But when she wasn't pumping out the tune, I thought, oh, great, she's not pumping any music. Let me go and get a cup of tea, yeah? So you go down to this van, and she's got the TV on, on her iPad or whatever else behind. She's watching EastEnders. Now, I haven't seen EastEnders for, I, I'm, my guess here, I probably haven't seen an episode for at least a week, no, I'm joking, for about, <laughs> for probably, I would say, a dozen years, yeah? Okay, I would say 10 years minimum, yeah? So I've walked over, yeah? I've got to get this cup of tea, and right, like, in my face is EastEnders. And then I'm just, the first thing I see is a guy that 10 years ago was this flaming sodomite on there. Uh, what is it? Oh, I can't remember his name now. But basically this flaming sodomite just on East and, and doing sodomite stuff in the background. What time is EastEnders on? 7.30, 8 o'clock? So I've got it on my alarm. So, so <laughs> <laughs> I am joking, okay? <laughs> okay, but it, it, look, that stuff is people sit down around this nation with their kids watching that, don't they? And it is pure filth wickedness, fornication, every other episode, just clear signs, like they're saying more than just the insinuation. I, I can remember from when I was young watching that, that junk. And then, and then you just got open sodomites on it as well. Committing, I mean, you, you can't even call it fornication. Can you just call it filth, depravity, animalistic acts, yeah? And, and this, this is what our nation, uh, up until recently, uh, probably a large, large amount of our nation used to sit down and watch on whatever evenings it was. And, and I, I can imagine that Coronation Street is probably the same. Never watched that filth. But, <laughs> but it's all the same, isn't it? What else did they have? Brook, Brookside? I remember Brookside when I was young. Oh, so groundbreaking. It had the first lesbian kiss. What filth was that? That was on at five o'clock. Five o'clock, sometimes the parents weren't even home while, they, while the kids were watching that junk. What else did they have? So anyway, I'm not going to go through a list of stuff, but all the same, just filth. And, that, that's just, and that's just a small amount, isn't it, that's going to be pushed on you out in that world. But that's the TV, but it's not just the TV. What about the billboards? You know, I mean, half it's just advertising, that sort of thing, people scantily clad, you know, things which are basically promoting fornication at bus stops, have all sorts of stuff. Advertising, you know, sort of the, whatever morning after pills, you name it, just everything, isn't it? Just everywhere in your face at every turn. Do you think that's going to get better? Anyone think, oh, well, no, boy, Boris is gone now. The righteous government's coming again, isn't it? <laughs> oh, no, it'll be all right now because some of the lords are, are part of the Church of England. 
bishops. Did you know that? Yeah. Did you know that there's a certain amount of lords? I think I preached this once on a sermon that a Church of England bishops or archbishops or whatever they call them. God help us all, eh? <laughs> Absolutely vile, isn't it? But does anyone think it's going to get better? It's getting worse, isn't it? Worse and worse. So when our children are grown up, can you imagine how bad it's going to be then? Absolutely amazing, isn't it? How bad it is already. Social media. How promoted is it on social media? Dating apps, social media. I mean, you get the adverts just going on something. Even if you've, got, you've never clicked on anything like that, you'll get dating app adverts. You'll get all sorts. It's just in everyone's face all the time. The, the women out there dressed like literal whores. Okay, and the Bible's very clear about how a woman should dress. The Bible's very clear about what nakedness is. And look, just walk out of here. You probably wouldn't have to walk for long and you'll see women dressed like whores all over the place. Isn't it terrible, right? And, and look, for many people that could be a temptation. That could be hard for them. Because it's not normal to see that. It's not, I mean, King David... The, 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 the righteous King David was up on his rooftop and he saw a woman washing herself and he got tempted, right? Okay, yeah, that was adultery. But look, there's a lot of people that are going to find that hard. And, and, you know, like I've said before, women do have a certain responsibility with that, okay? Because if you're just bearing nakedness when you're not in church, and I'm sure none of the women here do that, I hope they wouldn't. But if you're doing that, you're, you're part of the problem. Yeah, I'm not saying you're to blame for it all, but that is part of the problem, isn't it? Because, look, a lot of men will find that hard. And same the other way around. Men who are just trying to be so smooth and charming and innuendos or whatever it is. Again, they're part of the problem, aren't they? And it's all wicked. It's foul. Because the Bible says it is. And because when you take a step back and you grow in your faith, you look at it, you go, yeah, that is a wicked sin, isn't it, really? What's that? Why on earth have we got a world that makes out like it's normal? It's not normal. It's not okay. And God's even killed his people for it. And... Another thing you'll see as well and you'll find is men who are just open, brazen whoremongers. And you'll get men who's, who, you get men of God, you'll get men in churches even like ours that will just start talking about the attractiveness of certain women and stuff like that. It's not okay. That's not okay. We, we don't want to be talking about that. That's not how we want to be objectifying women really. I know that sounds a bit cliche, but it's true, isn't it? Because that's not what we're seeking. Yeah, we're seeking godly women. We're seeking, seeking women, you know, for, for, for men here, you should be, if you're a single man, you should be seeking a godly woman, shouldn't you? And, and you should want to be surrounded by them anyway. Yeah, and, and look, and, and for the women here, you should be seeking godly men, shouldn't you? Not, oh, well, who's like, you know, the, the smoothest, sexiest and all. Look, that's not what it's about. And, and I'll tell you what, in, in a few years' time, you'll soon be thinking, what on earth did I do, if that's what you're going for? Well, look, the kids here, the singles here, should be able to come to church, be around their church family and get a break from it all, shouldn't they? Okay? They, not, there should be not even a suggestion, not even a hint, not even a question, not even a doubt in anyone's mind, yeah? They should be coming to church and, and not wondering, not assuming, and just be in a church where it's clear as day that it's just a clean living, as far removed from fornication as possible because, it is get, because everyone's getting bombarded with it. Okay, and church should be, should, it should be somewhere where, where it, it's, whatever the word is, a sanctuary from that, yeah? It should be a sanctuary from that. Okay, so if someone is in fornication in a church, and look, there are many churches out there that don't give a, a, a damn about this today, yeah? There are ch most of the so-called churches in this nation wouldn't even care, 
wouldn't even bat an eyelid if two people walked in clear as day, living together, shacked up, wouldn't even care. But if someone is in that, or, or appears that they are, then it starts to even normalise it amongst God's people, doesn't it? Because then we stop going, well, that's the world, and then you start seeing it amongst the church, and then you can understand why that little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, yeah? And in this Corinthian church, they hadn't kicked this guy out. And that would have become more and more of a problem, because then more people try to justify and normalise it, okay? And then they start trying to come up with justification. Well, it's kind of like we're married, yeah? You heard that one before? Well, it was like a kind of, like a common law type marriage. It's the same thing, isn't it? Well, we're gonna marry or whatever. Look, it's not okay, okay? It's not okay. And it's so poisonous that we should be doing our utmost to show that there's no chance of it in our church, right? Because it is a tactic of the enemy, okay? You've got to understand that. This is a tactic of the enemy. I could have put this into my Weapons of the Enemy series because it is. Fornication is one of the tactics of the enemy. It's to turn the Christians head away from the things of God and ruin them like we just saw in Numbers 25, yeah? Turn to Revelation chapter 2, which refers to the event that we just read about in Numbers 25. See, it wasn't just an accident. It wasn't that they just saw some good-looking Moabite women and thought, yeah, you know, I just can't resist a bit of fornication. They were purposely enticed to destroy them. He's talking to the church at Pergamos here in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 14 and it says, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. Now, Balaam was a false prophet that was hired to curse Israel. If you remember the story, it actually covers quite a few chapters in, in, in the book of Numbers. Now, he wasn't able to curse him. God didn't allow him to do that. So instead, he taught Balak, the king of the Moabites, to ensnare them. That's what he did. Now, we don't see that when you read through the book of Numbers, but then it's, it's revealed to us in the book of Revelation here that basically, having not been able to, cur to, to curse them, he then basically teaches the king of the Moabites to ensnare them instead, to trap them, to destroy them this way. And, and what he taught them to do was... was he taught him to ensnare them into eating things, sacrifice unto idols, and to commit fornication. So it was a trap. It was a snare. It was a tactic of the enemy to destroy them. And nothing's changed with that. Okay, the temptation, the way the enemy's been trying to get people of God to, to commit this sort of sin has, has continued ever since. It's a weapon of the enemy. But you want to make sure you're not the one used to encourage God's children with it, right? Okay, so we, you want to make sure, women here, that you're not enticing men, because it might be, oh, well, I just like the attention I get off this guy in the church. Okay, you might not, in your right mind, ever think about that, but maybe he's just kind of, then he starts looking at other women like that because you're basically trying to give off those sort of vibes. Everything. We just want to just cut out that rubbish, yeah? Look, I understand singles are going to date, okay? That ain't a problem. We're not saying you can't date. Yeah, date, but you want to be making sure that there's not even any suggestion of fornication, okay? And that goes for kids as you go up, that goes for, for singles as you're in the church. Because if there is, look, we, we don't have to catch you in the act, okay? If you're living together, if, if people believe it, then you, you're, going to have to, you're going to have to prove you're not. In a, you know, and, and I don't know how that's going to work for me. If, if we think you are, then it's better safe than sorry, right? Okay, now... 
Look at uh, verse 7 in, back in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul said, To purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So we're taught to get rid of fornicators, agreed? Yeah, okay, that's pretty, pretty clear. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. So he's not talking about the unsaved, okay? Because some people can, can get a bit carried away here and go, right, oh, I need to avoid all fornicators. Well, you're going to have to avoid most of the world, at uh, the, the rate that it's going in this country. He's not talking about the unsaved. But now I've written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother, that's a saved believer, be a fornicator or covetous, or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such and one no not to eat and that's a nice early list for us and we'll be working through that over the next few weeks he said for what have I to do to judge them also that are without do not ye judge them that are within yes we are told to judge them right okay that's what, what he's saying here but them that are without God judgeth therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person Okay, that means to remove from the church and cut fellowship. And, and like I spoke about the other week, that means to block them on social media. Okay, that means that includes phone calls, that includes messages, that includes Facebook friends, that includes, you know, any of that stuff, subscribing to their YouTube channels, any of that sort of stuff, that means you cut off all fellowship. Okay, gone, done. Okay, they're, they're removed, they're put away from among yourselves because it's wicked. Now, the problem is that people then start to feel sorry for people, don't they? And look, there's nothing, look, we should have a, a heart, yeah? When it's people that are in sin where it's not that they're clear, just reprobate enemies of God. Yeah, look, you might have a bit of pity at times, but you've got to understand, you've got to be hard with this because it, it's not loving on the rest of the church if you're just someone who's just like covering for someone, turning a blind eye, not saying anything, because the rest of us, remember, are joined within that, okay? So if you are, if you're someone here and you're like, look, I'm involved in that, or maybe in the future you look back at this sermon and you say, look, I'm, I'm tempted, or maybe I'm even involved in that, look, you've got a couple of options. If you're, if you're in a relationship, so we, we say this to new believers, don't we? If you're in a relationship, you want to join a proper church. And look, being part of a proper church is a massive blessing, okay? We, we, were, we were desperate for a proper church, weren't we? We got a proper church. We're in a proper church. It's such a blessing. It's like the amount of, look, if you just talk to rewards alone, everyone in this church is able and is currently earning for eternity just by being able to serve the Lord in a proper church. It's amazing, okay? And let alone the edification, the way you can raise your kids in the things of God, the fact that, that, that we're able to affect the area, the, the amount of people we're getting saved through being in a church like this, being sent out, soul winning, the, the, just hearing the word of God preached, just all the many blessings we get from it. Look, if you're saved and you want to be a part of that, then you need to cut out fornication for starters. And if you're living with someone or something else, then get married or dump them off. I mean, it's pretty simple and, and it's not hard to do. And, and we say with new believers, you've got a couple of weeks and that's, that's your lot, you know. And, and I'll look, because a wedding doesn't have to be the latest, you know, 
turn up in chariots and oh well, I've got to keep saving them you know the target's a hundred thousand you know because then I can have everyone I've ever met at my wedding and then it's going to look really good on Instagram yeah because it doesn't matter what, what's the point in marrying it's in, in in the eyes of God right and don't get pulled into that junk because it is a nonsense okay so look either have a quick marriage shotgun wedding yeah or or turf them out get out or get out of the church yeah because we don't want it in this church okay so now with something like this okay with something like fornication there is a chance of genuine repentance and restoration further down the line okay so look you know because because people they want to try like when when you have a church this especially when you just kick people out people want to act like you're just so unforgiving and you're not even giving people a chance look fornication is a sin of the flesh yeah it's a clear sin of the flesh and yes you know you could say everything on this list is a sin of the flesh yeah okay but fornication is something that people can get into and they could genuinely repent and and show and make it clear and put an end to that lifestyle and if we you know we would want to restore that person yeah we don't want to scatter the sheep we want people in the church and that's something that that any christian who's unmarried here could get into okay and any christian that's married can get into adultery it's not not just out about oh you're saved no way look that can happen but but it, let me just explain something again here because and, and i don't think anyone here is unsure about this when it comes to to the combination of railing and church division causing okay that's not just something he just fell into a little bit of sin there Oh, well, I just got a bit fleshly then. You know, I just couldn't resist but try and tear down the only new, proper New Testament church in this car. I just couldn't resist it. I just got a bit tempted by a bit of... I just fancied bearing a bit of false witness against the leader of a church and ripping down the church. Won't do it again. Sorry about that. Won't, I just happened to have a gang of people that I was confederate with for 18 months who tried any which way they could to destroy our church. And, and then at the end, I bared false witness. I'm a railer. I'm a division causer. Sorry about that. Can I come back? That's not how it works. Okay? And that's not, oh, we're just so unforgiving. No, because you've clearly shown what you are. Said if any brother there, okay, those people aren't brothers and sisters. Okay? And, and, and the Bible's clear, mark and avoid. Okay, mark and avoid. That's not mark and avoid for what for a couple of days and then bring them back on the weekend. Okay, that's not how it works. Okay, so just to make that clear, but when it comes to things like on this list, fornication, covetousness depends because covetousness does go hand in hand with false prophets. Okay, as we've seen recently, but there are people that can be covetous without being obviously a false prophet. Same with idolatry. Same with railing, but again, it's very rare you'll see, look, railing, if, if someone had just got in a row at church, maybe just lied about what happened in that row because they just really wanted to prove that point, we'd proven that they were lying, the, the witnesses had come forward, we kicked them out for railing, look, we could see a way of them coming back maybe in the future, but they would have to be genuinely repentant and come back and apologise to that, because it's still wicked, isn't it? Being lied about is horrible, isn't it? Yeah, because it's slander, isn't it? It's horrible, right? However, whatever, however petty some people might try and say it is or not, yeah? But, but railing against the leadership of the church, and yes, there is a different rule, because, because there's only one goal when you're doing that. Rail, it's not, oh, well, I'm just a bit annoyed, so I'm just going to make up a lie about you. Railing against the leadership of the church, along with all the other division-causing behaviour. Okay, that's not just, oh, well, we just kind of, it kind of just snowballed into a bit of railing against the leader. That is wicked. 
standing up in a church and, and bearing false witness against someone and thinking that they don't have any way of, like, can you imagine how that could have gone? Again, I'm not going to keep going on about this every week, but I just want to hit it one more time because I know that will be the next angle. I know there'll be those trying to whisper, oh, well, you know, were they all that bad? Maybe they should be forgiven. Look, these people were all that bad, okay? I have no doubt. I'm not in, in the habit of lying behind the pulpit and just coming out with things to suit me. That, that was some wicked people, okay? And I don't care what other people say. I care what, what I know from here and I care what the Bible says, it says Mark and avoid and every single one of them is a, a division cause and every single one of them is a railer as well they're out of the church okay but if if and look we're not encouraging you to do this sort of thing because a lot of people won't come back from biblical discipline because that is a big deal isn't it getting kicked out for, for, for the other things on this list getting kicked out for, for being a drunkard and then cleaning up and come back that would be hard though wouldn't it and you would feel like everyone's kind of suspicious and everything else that you just don't want to get kicked out yeah so just make sure that you don't look that you don't you just white be white yeah be white to the white just just there shouldn't be any of this on on your list yeah make sure that there's none of this and look and, and therefore we're just going to have a happy happy fellowship here aren't we with with a place where we could just come and just be confident and sure that we're just surrounded by other like-minded believers right and that's what we want don't we the ultimate goal is the protection of the church by the way not the result of the discipline I heard someone say this, in fact, one of, our, one, of our, uh, one of the people that got kicked out saying, well, you know, the goal of discipline is restoration. This is when they're already trying to angle towards maybe getting some of these people back, yeah? Getting the gang back, you know? We're putting the gang back together, guys! You know? No, okay? No, the aim of church discipline is to keep the church right. It's because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. The aim of the church discipline is to protect the sheep. Not that one sheep, the, the aim is the, is the whole sheep. Now look, great, if we can restore that person, great. Because then we've protected someone else as well. But the ultimate goal is to get rid of the wickedness, get that leaven out of the church for the church, for the children, for the whole lot, yeah? Okay. And that was the first of many sins that get you kicked out of church. And uh, that's fornication. And the uh, lesson to be learned here is don't be a fornicator. So on that, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, for the clear lessons you give us from your word. Thank you for, for the clear uh, examples and, and, and just, just, well, statutes there on church discipline. Help us to follow those accurately. Help us to, to be a church that just wants to follow your word, that wants to just, that, that, that wants to just you know, be what you want us to be, the types of Christians, the type of people that you want in your church. Help us to, to resist all the temptation out there, especially when it comes to that wicked sin of fornication, help us to have a mind, you know, that's in line with, with, with you and your teachings, not the world and its teachings. Um, help us to, to just resist it at all costs to flee fornication. And Lord, we thank you. Uh, thank you for, for this church. Thank you for all these great people. Um, and we, we pray that everyone's able to return on Wednesday and if not on Sunday for another day in your house. In Jesus' name, we pray all of this. Amen. Amen.